Welcome to the Love and Context Podcast, engaging in unscripted conversations with your hosts, Ben and Spencer. Whether you're tuning in from your car, your office, your home, or anywhere in between, we are so happy to have you join us today. Our mission is simple, to explore the Bible through a powerful lens of love. Together, we'll uncover fresh insights and gain deeper understandings of how we can love God and love the people in our everyday lives. So buckle up and join us on the spiritual journey as we discover timeless wisdom that is just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. Without further ado, let's dive right in. Welcome to the Love and Context Podcast. I'm Ben. I'm not Ben. Yeah, thank you. People have heard <laughs> you say that like a thousand times at this point. But it's still funny. Yeah, and we are uh, joined by the resident mother pastor, Pastor Sarah Harney. <laughs> so we're going to play a game today. Ben doesn't. I think Ben knows this. Sarah doesn't know this, though. But right. Sarah usually gives Ben and I mom looks like 14 times every time she sees us. Because we usually Because we usually... Fair. They're well-deserved. Yeah, yes. we usually we usually deserve it. And so so there might be times in this podcast where we say something and Sarah's just like... <laughs> all right. And that's just normal. Just know that. It's all from a place of love. Well, and you'll, you'll hear <laughs> when she gets really love. upset, she'll start naming names, which she'll probably say like Richard, and then all her kids' names will come out. And then finally it'll be Ben or Spencer. <laughs> so, oh, man. You got to get through like 50 names. No, you that. guys are at least after the chickens. After the oh. chickens. Yeah. Perfect. After the chickens. Perfect. For sure. Perfect. Where am I in your importance? Well, there's my husband, my kids, my church, my family, my friends, my coworkers, chickens. my chickens. Then there's you guys. <laughs> then it's Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so good. All right. Well, uh, you were jumping in uh, to mid-Deuteronomy with us. Yeah, and we've been mm-hmm. going through the Torah series, and we're in the last book of the Bible. The last book of the Bible. It's the last book of Torah, not mm-hmm. of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And uh, we thought this would be a fun one because uh, they're specifically talking about worship, and y- you are in charge of worship out of your church. I am. So I've been doing this whole worship leader and um, pastor now. For the last 14 years. Yeah, you don't have mm-hmm. to be scared of saying pastor here. They're fully aware that we support women pastors. Okay, mm-hmm. all right. I just, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, you know, I just wanted to just say. There, yeah. may, there may be a few listeners who are a little uncomfortable with that, and they will get over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They will love you anyways, even if they disagree with you. All right. And if they don't, we'll have words. Sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> like, we always tell people, we're okay with disagreeing. We're not okay with not loving people when we disagree. Mm-hmm. It's just so interesting. Oh, I'm going to go on a tangent. So. Yeah, that's okay. That's nope. great. All right. I'm this just, is, this I'm just is saying, literally an unscripted <laughs> conversation, so you go right ahead. It's just so interesting to get to a place where, you know, people are like, you have a call in your life, and we see it, and we want you to do it. And then you get to a spot where you're like, okay, I'm here, and now I'm a pastor, so call me what my training, my education, mm-hmm. everything is done. And it's so interesting that the word pastor freaks everyone out, and I yeah. was doing this stuff before. Yeah. I became licensed. <laughs> well, I think that a lot of it comes from misunderstanding of what these roles actually represent, right. which, uh, spoiler alert for season two, Sarah, Pastor Sarah is going to come back and we're actually going to have a talk about women in the Old and New Testament mm-hmm. and also in ministry today. So mm-hmm. that's going to yep. be a fun little mini series that a lot of people will be like, uh, they're going to use it as cannon fodder to come against me. And I'm like, listen, if, if that's the straw that broke your back. I got a lot of other straws for you. Mm. So. <laughs> our our responsibility is to make content. You listeners, you can comment. That's yeah. fine. You yeah. make all the comments you want. Mm-hmm. We're still going to make content. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. <laughs> all right. So we're going to be in chapter 12. And so just kind of walking through chapter 12, it starts out. Moses, he says, hey, when you go into the land, you're going to destroy 
all the places of worship, mm-hmm. right? There's these things they call the high places. Um, they're worshiping on the hills and the spreading trees uh, where the other people are worshiping their God. You're going to go and break their altars, smash the sacred stones, burn the Asherah poles in the fire, mm-hmm. and cut down the idols and wipe their names mm-hmm. from the place, right? Yeah. One of the questions I, 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 I've heard frequently people ask about this is uh, who actually is Asherah? Mm-hmm. And Asherah is usually worshipped in... Fertility, right? Yeah, it's fertility, but she's usually worshipped in combination with Baal Mm -hmm. because Baal is about, like, the harvest and food and growth. And there's a lot of mythology about that, like, Asherah entices Baal and, like, when he brings the rain, it's actually, like, the seed of Baal that comes out. Mm -hmm. Like, that's actually the the worship that they do. So Asherah and Baal are worshipped together, and so hence, like, Asherah's shrine is actually a pole and it is a phallic symbol on purpose yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and so not surprisingly god's like hey you should get rid of those right (laughs) right (laughs) maybe you shouldn't have those around anymore to the fair point is god's been saying over and over again hey egypt trusted in this god for the water and this god for the harvest and yeah it's like stop trusting other gods Mm -hmm. with your fertility with your harvest with Mm -hmm. your wealth you need to trust me it's going to be a reoccurring theme throughout deuteronomy Mm -hmm. moses saying remember 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 what's going on here, mm-hmm. right? And then he specifies not only do you need to destroy them, but also you need to not worship them in the same place or the same way. Like, don't worship God in the same place or in the same way as where they were being worshipped, because how you worship matters, mm-hmm. right? And so he says, you know, you're going to put your temple where God says to put it, yep. not where you say to put it. And uh, you're going to bring your sacrifice, your tithes, and all your offerings to this place in this central location of worship. Now, why would that be important? It's really about community, right? Worship is about community. It's not just about relationship between man and God. Mm-hmm. It's also about relationship between man and man and woman. Sorry. I, as I, I meant man as in humanity. Thank uh, you for So I, I should that. specify Benjamin. that. You're welcome. <laughs> first mom look Sarah, right there. Sarah. Yeah, Sarah, Sarah, first Sarah mom. Dang it. Doesn't quite work. You guys. <laughs> I don't even know what he said. I said that was the first mom look yeah, right first, there. Yeah. First mom look right there. You have exactly. You should have like a little jar and you can just. I can actually run a tally like when yeah, I'm when I'm great. editing the video. Right. Every, awesome. That's number two. Yep. Uh, right there. <laughs> so where you worship matters and like yes. how you worship matters. And, and one of the things that we specified as we were going through Leviticus is the sacrifices are actually an act of fellowship with God. Yeah. And they're actually an act of Thanksgiving. And you're meant yeah. to be doing them in community. You're not meant to be doing them alone. Now, a lot of worship, a lot of times people have taken worship, and even if you take worship to its modern context, we've made it very personal. Oh, very personal. Mm-hmm. Which, which I don't think is a bad thing, but it's also communal, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, we should worship God individually and personally, but it's, it's also a call to be together, mm-hmm. you know? Actually, tomorrow night, we're celebrating as, a, as an all-city worship night. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always right. love those. They're great. Yeah. Moments of unity. Yeah. The way you said that with your face definitely tells me that the stress is not getting to you. (laughs) Yeah. There's no stress in that, in that situation at all, but it is actually uh, preparation for the event. But once you're there, you are always so thankful to be there. It's Mm -hmm. so good. Mm -hmm. Because I think what happens when we worship in community is we're getting a taste of what we're supposed to be experiencing for the rest of eternity. Yeah. That we're going to be in the throne room of God and we are going to be with thousands of saints Mm -hmm. crying out to God. This is not going to be something that we're doing alone. Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Every Uh, tribe, every nation, every tongue, 
crying out, holy, holy is a lamb. It's going to be good. It's going to be amazing. I can't like the, like the hair on my arms want to like stand up because I'm like, I can't fathom it. And it, it's such a, it's an invitation to community too, right? It's, yeah. it's just this invitation. Like the picture that you're speaking of actually comes from Revelation and other places, mm-hmm. but specifically the most common one people quote is from Revelation. It's every tribe, every tongue lifting up. And, it, and it's just, you know, even though as we speak in our own languages, mm-hmm. like we're all just together and we know exactly what we're saying. Mm-hmm. I know, and I don't. I don't get to have my Pentecostal card yet because I don't speak in tongues. Well, neither do I, and I go to a Pentecostal church, so that makes me feel any better. And I, I never really felt like it should be a determining factor, but mm-hmm. it is like a bone of contention in me because I'm like, God, like I'm, I'm not afraid of it. I've right. seen it, so right. why? Why, Holy Spirit, have you chosen not to impart this gift to me? Well, for reasons we won't get into it on this podcast, I actually have some some thoughts about that oh, yeah. that I'd love to share okay. with you sometime. All right. But actually, it's funny that you say that because you're definitely plugging another miniseries that's coming up in season two where we're actually going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Well, and I just did a whole big class on that at our church. Yeah, you want to come back as a guest? I taught, so yeah, I did yeah. for eight weeks, so let's do it. We're, right. we're going we're gonna to talk about the gifts of spirit and how do you approach them as both a Pentecostal and a non-Pentecostal, and how do you like scripturally right. walk with this? Right. Because we want to be sensitive to however people walk with it. Mm-hmm. We, You're way too good at conversating, so we're going to have to get back into the topic here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea of, of it's all in one place because it's about community, it's about coming together with God, it's about, it's about recognizing other people. You're supposed to bring your tithes and everything to the presence of God, and you're actually supposed to eat your tithe yep. with God, yep. right? You're actually supposed to consume it right there. It's right for there. the Levites, for everybody mm-hmm. else, and it's for everybody else who's part of your family. Yep. You're doing it together, and a blessing is an active participant role at all times, yep. mm-hmm. right? So you're actually being an active participant in what's going on. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the presence, this relationship, if you start to look at the sacrificial system and you say, oh, it's just about appeasement, you miss everything. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. God is not going to be a, the point is not to appease God it's to be, to relate with God, right? Appeasement is something else, right? Right, and it is definitely a product of what happens. But if you run around with this idea of appeasement, then we got a bunch of Christians who are running around. Oh, I hope God doesn't get mad at me. I better like try to earn His forgiveness. Right. Well, that's not really what He wants. He wants you, mm-hmm. and right? He, and He wants all of you. Yeah. And I think that there's something that happens when we get this picture, and I think it's. It might be verse seven, so it might be Deuteronomy twelve, verse seven, and it talks about why this is so important. It talks about the blessing that takes place when you're actively there, and, and you were just saying that, but it tells us that it's a feast. Uh-huh. So we get we get these pictures of he prepares a banquet table for us in the presence of our enemies, and and we get this picture of a feast. And when you think of a feast, what do you think of? It's a celebration, right? You're eating. Yeah. yeah you're stuffing mm-hmm. your face and you're laughing and you're telling jokes. And, and I think that we get this picture that Moses is trying to tell the Israelites is that when we're in the presence of God, it's a fullness of God. Mm-hmm. That means that like all the parts of us, all of our senses are being engaged, the Shekinah glory. Mm-hmm. And that when we come with this anticipation that worship is active participation and his blessing is that he wants me to be seeing him and touching him and scriptures say taste and see Mm -hmm. that I am good like that banquet table is set with so many yummy things and he's like saying look I'm not just one dimensional yeah Mm -hmm. there's so many facets to me when you when you think about the taste and see that the Lord is good I don't know how many times I've been at communion 
and somebody has like the waferest, nastiest, <laughs> styrofoaming yeah. bread. And I'm like, listen, if this is the body of Christ, like there's no way. There's no way this is the body of Christ. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. I, I actually like to do, uh, this is a little uh, aside for people listening. I actually like to do communion with uh, Nilla wafers because I really like to taste and see that the Lord oh, is good. Oh, my Lord. Ben, yeah, it's that great. Is... I remember one wow. time we, I mean, if we're going to use wafers, let's use Nilla wafers. <laughs> I remember one time we were doing communion at church and we sent the church intern out yeah. uh, to get communion supplies. And this was like right before service because we realized we're out. We're like, all right, so go to the grocery store, grape juice, bread. He's like, okay, great. He came back with Dr. Pepper and Cheez-Its. Oh, Perfect. And so we did communion with the whole church with Dr. Pepper and Cheez-Its. <laughs> right. Well, let's be honest. It is a symbol. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so like, I, I was like, even if you don't have mm -hmm. grape juice and, and crackers or whatever, yeah. I was like, whatever you got, it's actually about the heart you bring and the pastor, we're not worrying about transparency. The pastor of the yeah. church. <laughs> like, yeah, right. Yeah. The senior pastor did a great job handling that situation. And I was like, yeah, this is like, talked about the symbolism and all that. Yeah. But it was like one of those things where it was like, all right. You know, I bet you that was probably one of the more joy-filled communions that you guys have had. Oh, probably. And yeah. clearly most memorable. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dr. Peppers and Jesus. Yes. Yeah. So he, Moses actually says a couple of times, he says, uh, he keeps saying this in chapter mm -hmm. 12. He says that you got to you gotta make sure that you, eat, you meet where God wants you to meet. You got to make sure you meet where God mm -hmm. wants you to meet. Now, in uh, John chapter, I believe it's four, there's going to be a conversation with a right. Samaritan woman at a well where they have a conversation about where are we supposed to worship. Mm-hmm. Right. And Jesus addresses this because he says, you're not actually going to be worshiping on a mountain or in Jerusalem. It's actually going to be in spirit and truth, right. mm -hmm. which was always the intention. The point of having a specific space in, in the Old Testament and why you got to put this into context is because you're trying to be different than all the other nations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's not about uh, simplicity. It's about relationship. It's about it's about devotion, togetherness, making sure you do this. And there's, there's a reason why there's pilgrimages every year. Right. 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 Uh, you're actually supposed to go and be with yeah. people. Uh, I did think it was interesting. They noted in here, he says that you can, in case you have too much stuff, you can actually eat all you want in your town, but you can't eat what's God's, right? You got to yeah. go to the place you're supposed to go. Yep. And then uh, probably the favorite piece here for uh, somebody who's serving in a priestly role is don't neglect the, the Levites, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. We're just coming out of pastor appreciation month <laughs> yeah. and hopefully you guys were, I mean, I know you don't take- We only, we only appreciate in October and then we're done. Yeah. <laughs> one month a year which side note i'll call him out because i know he listens pastor nick was gone for three weeks yeah oh, pastor yeah. Percy. yeah he uh he came back the last sunday he was flying back from hawaii because he had a, a work trip over there which i mean he was suffering he popped his head he in suffering yeah he popped his he, head he didn't he and, wasn't even there the whole time he like, just he popped his in, head in the last sunday he popped his head in the last sunday and he was like trying to stay out here in the foyer and so I'm like, no, 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 no. And I moved him all the way up front and we recognized him and he was, he was less than enthused with me, but he got over it. All right. I just feel like I should just speak out for my brother, Nick here. And if there are like any supporters that are like Nick supporters, like chime in, let, let Ben and Spencer know. Hey, they know. have been, they have listened to Pastor Nick on here. They know that we are Pastor Nick supporters. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <laughs> we would not have him on the podcast so much if we did not support him. Yeah. But that's fair. That's fair. I just just making sure that we're we're being kind, Benjamin. Well, right? and yeah, exactly. Well, well you got so, the full name. You got the full I name know. treatment right there. You just okay. wait. You just wait. She's gonna be like Benjamin Edwards. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. It's coming. By the way, I think that's four. But I I'd have to go back into the check. All right, let's get back on track. Uh, so don't neglect the Levites. Once again, coming back to Leviticus, why are the the priests important? Because the priests are going to teach the entire kingdom how to be a kingdom of priests. Right. This this is carried forward with Paul in Ephesians when he says that the pastors, the teachers, the apostles, mm -hmm. the prophets, they're meant to equip 
the body for service, mm-hmm. right. which I always remind people that they're like, they're like, well, you know, I need somebody who knows how to tell people about Jesus. Listen, your evangelist is supposed to teach you how to talk to people mm-hmm. about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Your pastor teaches you how to care about people. Mm-hmm. Your prophet teaches you how to speak truth, mm-hmm. right? Your, your apostles teach you how to bring heaven to earth. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And the, it's not for them to do. It's for them to equip the body to right. do mm-hmm. as, as saints. Right. Right. That doesn't mean, of course, like you have a responsibility to do that as well because you're also a saint, but your main job is to equip. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, churches are much healthier when the priests equip. Yeah. Yeah. So fun things. Have I talked to you about chiasms before? No, you haven't. Okay. So the uh, chiasms are a Middle Eastern literature form, much like we would talk call about a five paragraph essay. Okay. Right. So in in America we would have like intro, three three blocks mm-hmm. of solid content, and then yeah. outro, which recaps everything that came before it. Right. right? In Eastern literature, specifically uh, from the time of Torah through the time of Jesus, they have this thing, people call it ring composition theory, they call it chiasms, but it's mirroring text where you would have an idea A, Mm -hmm. idea B, idea C, idea D, Mm -hmm. and then idea C again, Mm -hmm. B, and then A, right? So if you ever been reading the Bible and you're like, I feel like they're saying the same thing, that's because they are. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's actually a roadmap for you to find the center. Interesting. Yeah. So verses 1 through 32 in chapter 12, is it's actually a big chiasm. Mm-hmm. So the first thing we see is on the outer side on verse 1 and verse 32, he says to be careful to observe the statutes. And in 32, he says to be careful to do the commands. Mm-hmm. Right? These, these are what Moses is talking about. In verses 2 through 4 and verses 29 through 31, he says to uh, destroy the Canaanite worship and beware the Canaanite worship. Mm-hmm. Linked ideas, right? Yep. Uh, in verses 5 through 14 and 26 through 28, they say that you need to worship at the central sanctuary, right? That's the, the bulk of this text. In verses 15 through 18 and 20 through 25, it talks about meat and blood and what you're supposed to do with the sacrifices. And then in verse 19, it centers on don't neglect the Levites. Mm-hmm. Now, why would central to worship, we would make sure that the Levites aren't neglected? Because the Levites are the people who are going to teach the entire kingdom how to be a kingdom of priests. Right. So the the whole point in worship is that if you want to actually have worship that is going to be focused on God, you need to have people who are equipping the body for service and to actually be go betweens between heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's a chiasm for you. Okay. There, there's a lot of them in the Bible and we're going to have fun with them. Wow. Not not some a ton of them today, but <laughs> they're really fun when you start mm-hmm. finding them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Talk about Genesis one sometime. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go look now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to give you a website and you're going to love it. Actually, I'm right. going to include it in the show notes. It's Chiasmus Exchange. Now, I will let you know I did not vet every chiasm in here, but it is a website where a bunch of Christians mm-hmm. have shared chiasms that they found. So mm-hmm. take every single one with them grain of salt and go look at it yourself. Mm-hmm. But it's a good starting point if you don't know what to look for. Mm-hmm. Right. That's great. So if chapter 12 was about what you should do in worship. Yeah. Chapter 13 is going to be about what you should not do in worship, right? It starts with the address of like the worship of other gods and powers. And there's a, a cycle of activities that show up in three segments. And it's actually, this is another form of chiasm. So just so you're, you're familiar with this, when they do cyclical things where they go ABC, ABC, mm-hmm. ABC, it's another form of chiasm. So if you look in chapter 13, they're going to give a very clear address of like, how do you deal with false worship or incorrect worship? So it's going to say in the first couple of verses, if you have a false prophet or what I would call a spiritual authority mm-hmm. that comes in trying to lead you away from God, 
In 67, it says, if you have somebody in your family who's trying to lead you astray, people that you trust. And then in 12 through 13, it addresses the surrounding community. If there's people in your culture around you who are trying to lead you away from God, here's what you're going to do. You don't listen and you do away with, usually eliminate, because this is going to be Old Testament language. So they're going to say, take them out, kill them, stone them. Mm -hmm. It doesn't necessarily always mean that, but it can mean that, Mm -hmm. right? But uh, so I'm just going to say, do away with. And remember God. So in 3 through 5, it says, don't listen to the prophet, yeah. right? Th- verse 6, don't listen to your family. Don't pity them. Don't allow them to guilt trip you. Not that that would be ever be relevant for family, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, in verse 14, when you're talking about the culture, he says, actually destroy the city. Because they're going to try to turn you away from God. That, that shows up in verse 5, verse 10, verse 17, in those three different stories. So put away evil. Once again, verse 5, verse 11, and verse 18, mm-hmm. right? So there, there's actually a, a system here. It's like when you're dealing with a false prophet, a false authority, when you're dealing with somebody close to you or when you're dealing with somebody around you that you're not close to, what do you do when they're trying to pollute who you're trying to be, mm-hmm. right? It's interesting when we talk about that because it seems like there is some conversation in the New Testament that Jesus has around that, mm-hmm. right? There's, there's a process that you deal with, do, deal with when people are stepping out of what they're supposed to do, mm-hmm. right? Right? You go and have a conversation, Yep, alone bring, first. Yep. Mm-hmm. You bring somebody else. <laughs> you bring somebody else. You bring the elders. Bring the elders. And then finally you put them in front yep. of the church. And then if they won't respond then, then you treat them like tax collectors and sinners. Now, I like to point out here that Jesus ate with tax collectors and sinners. Yeah. Sinners. And he spent a lot of time with them. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes when in our thing is we're like, okay, well, we're going to treat them like tax collectors. They just put them out and ignore them. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. He's saying, treat them like people who are not part of the kingdom and that you're inviting in. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. That's you're not good. putting them out. They're actually meant right. to be you're, a part of you. And that makes me think of the, the passage in Galatians 6 where it says, if a brother or sister is caught up in sin, you who are translations, you, yep. know, you who so, are more spiritually mature, you go to your brother and your sister and you do what? You humbly and gently mm-hmm. restore them back. Right to mm-hmm. right standing with God. And I love that, Ben, because if we treated them like tax collectors so often in the church, I remember a pastor saying that uh, the <coughs> average person will lose seven significant relationships in their life. The average mm-hmm. person will. Right. Yet the pastor loses seven significant re- relationships a year. Oh, good golly. And I sat mm-hmm. back when I was listening to it because he was, he was, I think it was at the Global Leadership Summit, and he was just sharing to those that are in the trenches that so often this job is so heavily wrapped up in relationship. Mm-hmm. Everything that we're trying to do in the church is relationship related. Yeah. And we have the tendency that when things get awkward, that we ignore the problem or mm-hmm. we just shut and be like, I'm going to ignore you. You're not compliant with me. So I'm going to do, do that. But what you're saying is I'm actually supposed to be going and sitting with him and being like, tonight I'm going to dine with you. Right. Zacchaeus, tonight you're going to open up your home and I'm yeah. going to come hang out with you. And I'm not doing that, Ben. Right. Well, and I will, I will give you a little bit of grace on the other side of it because there is also this. <clears throat> Jesus also says when you're going to the sheep of Israel and you're sharing this message and they just won't receive it. Right. It's okay to shake off the dust and right, move on. Right, to shake off mm-hmm. the dust. Right. Now, that, you're not angry. You're leave. just shaking and moving yeah. on. 
like the, it comes from the Sermon on the Mount where he says, you, you don't throw your pearls before swine. Right. Now, we don't want to call people that we disagree with swine. Like, I think that's probably, I, mean, well, I will tell you, I really like bacon. So, like, it's not a bad thing to be a swine, right? I really feel like. Are you saying you're a cannibal? Because yeah. you just equated people with swine and said you like bacon. You know what? I'm just going to brush past that and I'm going to wow. edit out that you said anything. Okay. Okay. I'm just. Just trying to connect the but dots. But this idea here, is yeah. like is like you can you can bring like these great arguments, but at the same time you don't need you shouldn't waste your time with people who actually don't want to be part of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think the people that I would where you go after them are people who actually want to be part of the kingdom, but they're struggling with taking those steps or really understanding it. Like that's where you're actually discipling them into truth. Well, and can we call out that we as a church we often don't know how to love well the people who don't want, don't want to be involved, right? Yeah, I right. think we've been calling that out for 38 We have. Now. We have. Yeah. Like, because I was at a conference, oh, this is well, five, six years ago, something like that. And then, like, the person who was presenting was asked the question, and there was a bunch of pastors in the room. So yep. just a little context there. He's asking the question. He's like, he's like, okay, are you able to love those who you disagree with or who hate you? And there was a bunch of people who were like, oh, man, that's really good. And I was sitting in the back of the room with with one of my friends who's also a pastor, and we were just like, what do you mean? Like, we should actually, as church leaders, be insulted by that question mm-hmm. because if we're called into ministry, yes, we should be able to do that. But yet we don't. Yeah. Right? Mo- most of ministry is actually going to be loving people who are really hard to love. Yeah. yeah. Right. Actually, let me yeah. take that step. Most of being a Christian is loving people who are really hard. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like it's one of those things where you're like, listen, we need to figure this out because it's not about uniformity. We're not all going to look right. the same. Mm-hmm. Right. We're going to disagree about interpretations on tongues and healing and right. women pastors and like all the like there's a bunch yeah. of things. But regardless of that, we're going to figure out a way to work together. For the sake of the gospel. Yeah, and we, well, we've said it before on the podcast, like in Romans, Paul talks about like, like what is the criteria for following Jesus? Yeah. Confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ is yeah. Lord. All right, if we're doing those things, then we have to figure out how to work together. Yeah. We we're going to have differences. Yeah, we're, we'll have differences, but if it's not a salvation issue, we have to figure out how to maybe put some of those differences aside and be like, hey, we're going to disagree on these, but we're still going to work together for the kingdom, for for the good of the kingdom. To bring to help bring the kingdom to the earth. Yeah, and I, I think I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again because I just think it warrants repeating. Before you deal with somebody's theological issues, you have to love them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when somebody's like, "Oh, I don't know if I want to get to know them because they think about blah blah blah," like I don't yeah. care what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, you have to love somebody first at the very minimum because they're made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. And at the very minimum, you should love them because God loves you. Yeah. Right. And uh, if you can't, then you really have no business speaking into their theological deficiencies. Mm. You need to love them first and then have a relationship. We talked about Ephesians. Speaking truth and love comes Mm -hmm. in a context of unity of fellowship, Mm -hmm. right? Where people are bearing with each other, building each other up, living together, and then they're able to speak truth and love mm. you can't speak a truth you and love outside a community nope. and you can't go straight to speak in truth without having you cannot correct without connection correct mm-hmm. you cannot and you know i just we're here we are we're going on a well, tangent I mean, we're all in our 30s right now mm-hmm. and we have been running in this um, i identify as in my 20s i'm just joking. <laughs> well you can keep doing that Spencer, someone should tell your face and, you know, the Thank rest you. of Thank you. the rest of you that you're in your 20s. But, sorry. Sorry, we're digressing. No, but I good. think that all of us in context actually to worship and what we have felt God has put on our hearts as 
we as worship leaders mm-hmm. or worship pastors and we're setting the banquet table and wanting people to come and feast, we've actually found there's been a lot of things that have caused break in community because worship has been such a divisive right. topic for mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. And I think that all of us sitting here have some battle wounds and some scars of times that we maybe didn't handle people's critique. I have our... always been perfect. Never any issues. Well, and I'm sitting here in like full. full... <laughs> he's, he's fully like acknowledging. He's like... I'm sitting here in full conviction because I'm just thinking, gosh, Ben, I remember when I was cutting my teeth in leadership 14 years ago and getting to that passage where it was like, how can you say that you love God when you are holding hate in your heart for your brother? Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, dear Jesus. Like, <laughs> the list is too long right now right. of people that are showing up in the church and struggling with either me as a person, you know, my prior life before Christ is, you know, God is a God of grace. And that's what I hope people hear when they hear my story. What I'm getting to is worship is such a beautiful, sacred mm-hmm thing that God invites us mm-hmm. to. And I really believe that when we enter into the throne room of God and 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 Moses is telling them, don't worship the way that these other people are worshiping right. it. It's got to look different. And, that don't, I, and don't take what they have and don't let them influence you. I don't care if they're a spiritual authority. I don't care if they're a right. family member. I don't care mm-hmm. if they're your community. You worship God the way that you know you're supposed to. Right. Mm-hmm. But what's kind of getting at me right now is there's going to come a day here in like 10 or 20 years where we're going to be watching this young whippersnapper come in Mm -hmm. and they're going to want to be doing things wildly different than what we've come to know. Yeah. And we're going to be those Moses is going, wait, wait, we're following Deuteronomy. We're going to teach our children and our grandchildren the scriptures and and to keep doing things this way. And I'm wondering if we are creating space in ourselves to hold the older generation's opinion of what worship is supposed to look like right. versus what we feel like there's a movement happening in the current young mm-hmm. generation. We're seeing that yeah. we heard about Ashbury where we've heard about all these nights of worship that aren't stopping in the young generation. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of older people that want to critique what that worship looks like when Sean yeah. with the blonde curly hair is worshiping in Seattle yeah. from Hillsong. Yeah. And we mm-hmm. want to critique it because it, it doesn't look the way right. it looks like the world. So we don't we don't want to trust it. Well, and I think I think the, the, the one of the issues that we run into and then Spencer and I have been talking about thinking generationally, like even yeah. we, we talk, I was uh, Pastor Nick and I were talking about the need to actually bring on somebody younger than us into the into the mix for yes. like leading yep. because we have to think beyond ourselves. Absolutely. Right. You have to. And I was like, and it has to be like the norm behavior, like you have to disciple that behavior. But. There's a difference between critiquing a situation and actually stepping in and pastoring a situation. One of the things that I long maintain is that when people are learning to follow God and they have a lot of passion, just be okay with the mess. Mm -hmm. And we're not. Also also be okay cleaning it up. Like it's like one of the things we do is we pastor into the situations and we love people. I was like, but I want them to try some things Mm -hmm. and like they're going to make mistakes. I mean, when's the last time anybody got up to preach the first time and they were great? Right. Or some for some, let's be honest, the, yeah. their 50th time. And we're yeah. like, wow, you're still in the rotation. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and as like, but at the same time, we're like, oh, but when you get up to do this, you got to do everything perfect. Graphic. No, you're going to mess up. You're going to mess up. And we, yeah. we fully acknowledge that you have to have a culture where it's okay to mess up, but you're messing up in pursuit of something. Right. Right. You're not messing up in, 
as you're actually dodging pursuing something. No, you're running towards the prize. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. exactly. That is set before stripping off every hindrance that we have. You know, like we're we're making sure that we're going to that and letting God refine. Yeah, us and, through those messy. Yeah, people. and you look at you look at David in scriptures. Yes, uh, and we know David as a man after God's <laughs> own heart. Yet he was a horrible father. Mm-hmm. He saw a woman he liked, devised a plan to have her husband killed so he could take her as his wife. Right? Yeah. right? You know, committed adultery. All these things. Right. So what made David a man after God's own heart? It's the fact that he actually repented. It's exactly why. That he came and he continually repented, recognized when he did wrong. It's not that he didn't fall short, because he did, but he repented. So when I was doing a read-through on David the last time through the Bible, one of the things that I noticed that really jumped off the page of me, you know when David really started to struggle with things? He stopped talking to God. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, it's very clear through most of David's life, he's talking to God, and right. then he stops. And then mm-hmm. suddenly, boom, 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 all these things start falling. Mm-hmm. It's almost like there's a correlation between when there's a severance of a relationship, mm-hmm. suddenly you living out the righteousness of God stops happening. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? All right, I'm going to keep us moving here. So into, because all this is so good, but otherwise we're going to have to be here for hours. Keep us on track. So chapter 14, by the way, actually has another chiasm that I'm not going to point out, but I'm just going to let you know that it's there. Listeners, if you want to find it, then Spencer will get you a cookie. If you do not live here, it's not going to be a good cookie by the time it gets to you. No. <laughs> so. You you let me know what town you you live in, and I will get you a gift certificate. Yeah, we'll figure out a way to get you a cookie, cookie shop yeah. at whatever. But cookie shop's even a thing. I don't know. It is. There's Crumble. <laughs> okay. It's legit. Okay. Yeah. Spencer. Crumble cookie is really good. Do you realize that it's just not a sponsor? <laughs> there's drama around Crumble. Just saying. Hey, you know, there's drama around most things, and as long as it's delicious, I don't care about the drama. So God comes back in verse one and he starts talking about the customs of the surrounding nations. He says, you know, don't cut or shave yourself for the dead, right? Customs of the people around him. They are different and you are supposed to be different than them, right? Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be holy. He talks about what food and what they're not supposed to eat. They're going to find themselves in, well, let's just say gut trouble at the very least (laughs) if they eat the wrong foods. But specifically, God just had some foods that they're not doing. Sometimes they're involved in deity worship. Sometimes there's some health things. Mm -hmm. So a lot of reasons God does these and probably some that we just don't know. Mm -hmm. But he specifies, he says, hey, these are the animals that are on the land. These are the ones that are in the sea. And these are the ones that are in the air. Right. He specifies, don't eat these ones either. All the way down in verse 21, this actually comes back and talks about a previous episode that we conversation point about Samson and the Nazarite vow that you aren't supposed to eat anything you find dead or something or eat something from something that is dead. Now, you can give it to a foreigner. <laughs> right. Yeah. But they aren't supposed to eat it. I, I just love that. He's like, he's like, you can't do this. There's, there's actually, but you can't give it to a foreigner. So, but the, but there's something there to yeah. it, right? Like, like we as believers, like when we're reaching people who do not follow Jesus, we can't expect them to live the way we do. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, and, and so if you ever thought the Bible doesn't say that, by the way, it's right here. Right? Yeah. Well, like, and this is my phone, but it's in the Bible. <laughs> well, it, you can't expect them to live the way we do. Like yeah. we are trying, like we have things that have been set in our lives, some personal convictions, some biblical mandates, right? right. Uh, that have been set in our lives by the Lord that we follow after. But at the same time, the people we are reaching, they don't have those. Right. right. And so when we're reaching, when we're, when we are, when we are coming alongside those people and we're like, well, this is what you need to do. It's like, actually, no, you just need to come alongside <laughs> Be a friend and love them well. Right. Well, and we've talked about, we said Jesus comes and he says, um, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Yeah. Right. This is the, that's actually the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel that he preaches, that the kingdom of heaven is near. And then his life, death, burial, and resurrection confirm what that means. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. But there's, there's this invitation 
to be part of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Repent, come back, because the kingdom of heaven is here, mm-hmm. right? There is an invitation from God to partner with him and what he's doing in the world. Mm-hmm. And until you actually accept that invitation, there is no command. But as soon as you do, there's a command. It's called, you're going to love each other as I have loved you. Yeah. yeah. And you're going to put my story on display, mm-hmm. right? Like this, this is the command. But until you actually choose to do that, there is no command for you. Mm-hmm. That's not how that works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To your point, Spencer, we can't legislate righteousness. Mm-hmm. Now, I that is not to say that I don't think the Christians should vote their conscience. I think they absolutely should. You should vote, vote biblical concepts. Mm-hmm. But you also need to recognize that God's in control of legislature, not you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's in control. Yeah. And yeah. And just to tangent a little bit more, a lot of times we try to force what we, th- what our biblical ideals deals are on mm-hmm. other people, whether that's through legislation or whether that's through personal relationship. I've seen it both ways. We try to do that. The reality though, is the gospel thrives, mm-hmm. has thrived in multiple cultures with multiple different political beliefs, Correct. multiple government structures. If you don't believe me on that, just go look at the church in parts of Asia. Yeah. Right. Like very different than us in the U.S. and is thriving. You take you take Christianity in the USSR. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You take Christianity during communist China. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it is it is something intense. Mm -hmm. So this idea is as you you don't you need to look different than the people around you. This Mm -hmm. comes back to this conversation we've had of you're actually going to be holy. You're going to be different. You're going to put something else on display to show the kingdom of God. So let's talk about tithing because people are just like just raring to talk about money. I know that Mm because that's what comes up next. Moses says that a tenth of all of your fields produce, you're supposed to give it to the church. Oh, no, wait, that's not what that, hold on a second. Is that not what that says? Oh, shoot. Man, I, I could swear with most of the churches that I grew up in, that's what it says. It actually says that one tenth of your fields produce, you're supposed to eat it, and the firstborn of your flock in the presence of God where the presence dwells. God doesn't need your stuff. Yeah. He wants you to spend time with him. It's always been about relationship. Mm-hmm. Now, he doesn't give provisions because he's like, hey, if you live really far away, sell your stuff, take the money, go to where God tells you to worship, buy the stuff there, and then eat it with God. Mm-hmm. But don't neglect the Levites, again, because they have no allotment or inheritance. So, And then this is my, one of my favorite things about the tithes. Every three years, you bring another portion of your tithe of the land and store it in your towns so that the Levites and the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows can come and eat and be satisfied so that the Lord may bless you in all the works of your hands because it's always about other people being loved and them loving God. Every three years. Can you imagine if every church person every three years, we just collected an extra 10% of our income? extra 10% of our production mm-hmm. and we set it aside for the fatherless, the hungry, the orphans, the it widows. It would solve so many issues. Solve so many issues. Don't kick me. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're going to make me go on a tangent because something you guys aren't aware is that our church is doing a foster care mm-hmm. ministry and we have partnered with a foster care agency here on island. We are seeing that the scriptures are very clear what we're supposed to do mm-hmm. with the fatherless. Yeah. And so we are partnering with this agency and providing our facility and providing childcare. So that way when parents have to go through mandatory trainings to be foster parents, they don't have childcare mm-hmm. or they got to do CPR training or they, they have to do trauma in, informed care because they're getting kids from really scary homes. And so we as a church have said, we realize this is a hardship. You are actually doing what the Bible has said to do. So we're going to come alongside you and we're going to feed you. We're going to take care of your kids. You can use our building, do your trainings here. And it has been 
fabulous. And we had a banquet last night to celebrate mm-hmm. the families that we are supporting and saying thank you for saying yes. And all of the families that were there last night are not believers. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. We're just saying we see that you are doing what God has called us to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we want to say thank you. I love that. I love it. Just so practical and like, and not simple. It's not simple. And, you know, it's been really hard to start this, you know, and when you're talking about money, there's so many facets to this conversation because we all know that there's not a lot of money flowing through churches these days. Mm. Tithing is not something that I think our generation knows. It's, it blows my mind when I'm sitting at the table with people in our generation and they're like, tithe, offering, and they can't engage in the conversation They don't know why we do it, why we don't do it. Like it just floors my mind that money is such a taboo conversation for, I would say, our generation. Well, Mm -hmm. I think part of the reason it's a taboo conversation is because there has been abuse financially. Yeah, we saw it bad. Yeah, and 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 that has happened. So that's one of the. But I also feel like one of the reasons it's taboo conversation is because when the whenever I hear people preach about it, they're talking about how you need to give more money to the church. Now, I'm going to be say something that's kind of controversial and I've gotten in trouble with. No, I haven't actually. The pastors don't. They're very, they're very tolerant of me at this church. <laughs> but I made mention. I said, God doesn't need your money. And if you're not bringing your money because you're actually trying to give into the kingdom of God, we don't want it. He made mention of that during a sermon he was preaching yeah. at wow. church. Yeah. Is that if you are not bringing your money because you're actually trying to feed into the kingdom of God, if you're not happy about it, we don't want it. Mm-hmm. because it's not it's good a, for you because it's all about the heart and and the thing is i firmly believe we're always going to have exactly how much money we need to accomplish what god wants us to do mm-hmm. so for me like i don't we never need your money mm-hmm. god's always going to have our back and have what we need mm-hmm. what i what i'm concerned about is if you don't recognize that everything you have comes from god right then you're, you're going to live a life of selfishness right you're going to live a life of selfishness and then you're going to wonder why you never have the fullness of God in your life. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you why. Because you don't actually recognize where what you have comes from. Yeah. You forgot that he is the Lord your God who brought you out of the land mm-hmm. of Egypt. Mm-hmm. And so you have other gods and it's called your wallet. Right. Mm-hmm. There's my soapbox and I'm stepping off it. <laughs> well, and with tithing to it's giving to where kingdom work is happening. Correct. Right. Right. If you... We're giving to a church, but no kingdom work was happening at that church. Mm-hmm. And you pulled your tithe and you yeah. moved it to a different nonprofit, Christian organization, whatever, that where kingdom work is happening. Great. Yeah. Right? Like, the tithe isn't meant just to go to the church that you are attending. Right. Right? It's meant to go to where kingdom work is happening. Yeah. And and I'm sure somebody will write us an email and tell me about why I'm wrong. But once again, I'm going to create content. You can say whatever you want. Mm-hmm. What I would general will I tell people, so the reason I like 10% is a super easy number, mm-hmm. right? I was like, really, you should be a cheerful giver with whatever you have. Yeah. But start with 10%, take it, and then ask God throughout the week to bring things, kingdom work, to your life. And then fund those things out of your tithe. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the week, give it to the church. Mm-hmm. And then trust God to work through the church. You know, the crazy thing is there's a, there's been a study where they actually did those in, in a number of churches. Did you know that tithing rose like over 200% within wow. two months because people were doing it, but then like they started recognizing the, the kingdom activity and they started being involved right. mm-hmm. in kingdom right. activity they were in ch- their church. Mm-hmm. Right. And 
we've had those oppor- those situations where people will write a check and they're like, this is my tithe and I'm donating it, donating it specifically for this ministry. Yeah. And we're like, well, that's not, a, that's interesting that you're saying that because our stance that we've had and what leaders have said and elders and pastors have said is, that's not a tithe then. You, you, you don't designate what you're giving into the kingdom. You're trusting you're trusting the Levites, mm-hmm. you know, you're mm-hmm. giving in to them, you're, you're paying them. That's what your tithe is. So that way the Levites can continue to teach you how to mm-hmm. do this kingdom living. And so we don't take it that way. We would call that an offering mm-hmm. in our community of faith. Mm-hmm. That would be an offering because if you're choosing where it's going, it's an offering. And the and an offering is anything outside of the 10%. That's what we teach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that, you know. I, I, it's just going to be very hard to back up from a biblical perspective, but from a, from an operating perspective, I think that's totally fine. Yeah. Like, because I think that you're giving clear delineation of like how you interpret it. You know what yeah. I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The hard thing is too, is that, is that people always equate tithe with money too. And I was like, the problem is, is that what is the it's fruit your of, time? what is, it's what is talent? the fruit of your ability? Absolutely. You know? mm-hmm. And I was Absolutely. like, because for example, like, so I do a lot of stuff at our, our right? church. I don't receive anything from it. Right. Right. I do it because I'm giving into the kingdom of my time and my talent and my energy. And, and, and I was like, so I was like, how do you quantify? I was like, what you should be doing is you should be having a regular conversation with God about what do you want me to do? Yeah. Right. You know, what do you want me to do? And, and like a lot of the time the problem with tithing in general, and people say, well, how much am I supposed to give? I was like, well, first of all, that question is usually how little can I give and be on God's good side? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that that's actually yeah. what the question is. Yeah. Whereas the question is, God, what are you doing and how can I partner with you? Mm-hmm. And it's again, coming back to that heart posture, it's about where's your heart when you're giving? Yeah. Cause there, cool. cause there is that story in scripture too, where there is the widow with the two mites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yep. Where, when she drops those in, Jesus is like, yo, she just gave way more than all y'all combined. Right. Like, and they're like, what? She dropped two pennies. And he's like, yeah, I know. But still she yeah, gave, she gave she everything had. that she, she gave had. everything because she thought it was really important. Yeah. Right. You know? And, and when it comes to giving of your time and your skills, one of the things I think that's hard to wrestle with, it might be a skill that you have that you're good at, but that you don't enjoy. Right. But you can still give of that. Right. Like, that's and that's, that's something that you can do with a cheerful heart without complaining and it can bless the kingdom. I want to come into chapter 15 here real quick because this is relevant to our conversation. Mm-hmm. Moses f- continues on. He talks about that every seven years they're to cancel their yeah. debts, mm-hmm. right? To all the Israelites that you can require payment from a foreigner, but you have to cancel the debt from yep. Israel. Now I thought that was really interesting. That he said that. However, right after that, he says this, there need not be any poor among you. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm including foreigners. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And if anyone is poor, don't be hard hearted or tight fisted, be open handed and freely lend. Don't harbor wicked thoughts knowing that seven years is coming. Mm -hmm. Let's see if I give them a hundred dollars today, a week from now, I have to forgive that. No, you just give a hundred dollars, right? Give generously to them and do so without a grudging heart. Then because of this, yeah, the Lord, your God will bless you. Yeah. Not just debts, but you're going to free them from slavery. It's a different kind of slavery. We've talked about how American slavery and Israeli slavery was very different, but slavery is slavery nonetheless. It's not good, right? If a servant wants to stay with you, bring them into your household for protection, but don't consider it a burden to free them because the Lord's going to bless you. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's never about generational poverty. It's never about generational servitude. God is finding ways for people to find freedom, 
right? Mm-hmm. And, and, and I always love how God is both a capitalist and a socialist <laughs> at the same time. Where he's like, you can accumulate for yourself. God's going to bless you. He's going to grow your herds. But you need to give freely. And every seven years, you got to forgive all your debts. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a lot going on there. Yeah. But the whole thing is that you need to be, be thinking and be generous to the people around you. Yeah. All of the conversations about tithe and offerings, these would not be an issue if people were generous. Mm-hmm. Right. They only become an issue because Christians aren't generous people. Yeah. And I, and I hesitate to say that because there's a lot of really generous Christian people. Mm-hmm. And being generous with your time and your talents, mm-hmm. uh, the hard thing with that is you have to sacrifice. Correct. You have to figure out how that works. Because if you're saying yes to one thing, you have to say no to something else. Yeah. That's how, I mean, that's how time works, right? Like if you're committed, I mean, at least people who manage time responsibly, if you're, (laughs) if you commit to one thing, that means you can't have somebody, you can't have something else commit to that same time. Yeah. Because then if you do, you're burning bridges. Right. So how you manage that time when you are sacrificing, saying, hey, I'm going to give this to the Lord for this reason, you have to know that that is going to maybe take away from some of the things that you want, Mm -hmm. some things you desire. Mm -hmm. And like I was saying earlier, it you might even be committing to something you're really good at that you don't care for. Yeah. Right? But it's something that blesses the kingdom. Right. Mm-hmm. Romans tells us to offer our living bodies as a sacrifice. And that that's everything. It's mm-hmm. our time, our talent. It's it's being able to say, Lord, I, I may not want to be here schlepping and cleaning toilets on a Saturday night in the church building, but mm-hmm. I'm really good at cleaning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And actually cleaning can can be really therapeutic. I can mm-hmm. turn on worship music and mm-hmm. get my aggression out on <laughs> tile and grout. And and it's about the heart posture. Right. Am I doing this because I'm hoping someone's going to walk in the building and see that Pastor Sarah's cleaning the bathroom and, oh, look at the servant heart that she has? Mm. Because, come on, let's talk about all of this. <laughs> Let, let's, let's, let's remove the veil because yeah. we all, if we have any ounce of worship and and desire to be part of Mm -hmm. what's happening we all have artistry inside of us and we all know what that artistry can do and be corrupted into Mm -hmm. so we have to check that spirit a lot but we have to be willing to be doing those things that don't look pretty and it should be kind of painful like i should be going on saturday night and being going like this sucks I want to be home relaxing because tomorrow morning i'm going to show up before everyone else and i'm going to set the banquet table and i'm going to worship but Tithing, I really think it it is supposed to be a wrestle. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be that like, oh God, I'm going to give this to you, and I'm going to trust that you're going to multiply it. Right. Not just mm-hmm. multiply what I'm giving and hoping that it enhances the kingdom, but I'm going to trust that if I'm going to write this check or I'm going to sacrifice six hours at the church to do this because I'm really good at cooking or I'm really good at fixing windows or leaking ceilings, that God's going to bless me in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to trust Him. Yeah. I'm going to claim it. Yeah. And on on the flip side for church leaders and ministry leaders, you shouldn't force someone into tithing or guilt them no, into it. No, because we, yes. Because a lot of times what we'll, what we'll do is be like, okay, you've been involved in church, now it's time to serve, right? Which I don't think is a bad thing to do, but then we'll be like, okay, then you start plugging people into wherever you can because you have all these holes and gaps that you need filled in your ministry. You, you need more people on the worship team. You need more people in kids' ministry. You need more greeters. You need people to make coffee, to set up 
to set up that, tear that down. You need mm-hmm. people to run sound, audio, visual stuff. And oftentimes what we do is like church leaders will unintentionally just kind of guilt trip people right. into saying, right. being like, oh, I guess I should help out in some way. And as church leaders, we shouldn't do that. Correct. No, this is a get to. This is a, this this is is a, a get, get to. to. Or you know, a partner with. Or partner yeah. with. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I have people legitimately that I know have told me the only reason why I am serving on this ministry is because I get to hang out with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I've literally had people tell me that and I'm like, me? And they're like, Sarah, <laughs> we we all know that your heart is for the, the flock and the mm-hmm. sheep. And we know that if we're going to hang out with you, it means we get to serve with you. Like, is that's there, what's going to happen. Is there any happen. chance that was Richard that said that? <laughs> <laughs> Ricardo yeah. serves out of a joyful heart, Ben. R- Richard is uh, Sarah's. <laughs> he looks pretty awesome angry husband. to me every time I see him. <laughs> yeah. I'm just joking. Oh, dear Lord, we were just having this conversation last night because I was telling him, I'm like, you know, it's really hard having you as my sound guy. Because we're, we're aging. So mm-hmm. Richard is, you know, he's in his 40s now. And, you know, I like to remind him of that. And he's got gray hair. And, you know, people still ask me if I'm, you know, old enough to have a teenager. So we're in a good balance mm-hmm. right now. But I didn't know his eyesight was going. Bummer. So he glares at me from the sound booth. And I was like, am I, like, doing something wrong when I'm leading worship? And he's like, I can't see you. <laughs> I was he's like, got, he's got to get some glasses. These are really great questions to ask you time. from time to time because I've been harboring this offense <laughs> for the last two years. Like, why do you saying, hate are me? Are you saying that communication between people can lead to a lot of less like miscommunication? Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, sure, Ben. Hear yeah. whatever you want to hear. Yeah, I'll hear that. So, um, the big thing that we 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 find in this in this section of scripture is there's a way we're supposed to worship and um, not neglecting the Levites is going to be really important to that, mm-hmm. right? Staying on track is going to be respecting your leadership to actually equip you. Yeah. Now, of course, leadership, you need to be respectable. Like you, you have a responsibility, but regardless of how respectable your leadership is, you still owe them respect because you follow God and mm-hmm. he's appointed. Scripture calls us to honor your leaders. Yeah. Right. There, there is always a reason why you may or may go to a different church. Don't let it be because you disagree with one little semantic thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. There are always reasons that that might happen or God is just moving you somewhere else. That that's OK. Mm-hmm. But you should never be going because you're angry. Mm-hmm. Right. That's something that needs to be worked out. Mm-hmm. I love it that my pastor says that often the things that stick out to you in the church is where God has actually gifted you in yeah. because you're seeing, wow, this isn't going well and I'm seeing how it could be better. And so when you have people going, wow, the sermon's really sucking. Well, it sounds like you have the gift of teaching. Yeah. We, we would love to hop you in here and you can spend the next 40, 80 hours preparing for a sermon and yeah. yeah. Or wow, worship really sucked today. This sounds really crappy. Hey, we have a open spot Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right here. You can come make it sound better. Oh man. So good. So worship properly expressed is going to, your leadership is going to equip you. You're not going to look like everybody else. You're not going to be led astray by anybody else, but actually your real worship is going to lead you to be a generous kind of person yeah. in the way that you treat each other, in the way that you treat the church, in the way yeah. that you treat the Levites, in the way that you treat the foreigners, and specifically in the way that you treat people who are a lower caste system than you as well. Mm-hmm. It's almost like something like in Christ there is neither Jew nor Jew Gentile, or Gentile, male or female, or woman. free or mm-hmm. slave. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost like there's some credence to that. Maybe, 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 maybe. maybe Paul knows what he's talking maybe about. He yeah. Does. Maybe. All right. Well, that's going to be it for this episode. We're going to have you next week. So we're going to wrap today. If you see us, you're obviously on YouTube. And we did not warn Pastor Sarah Harney that we were doing video <laughs> version. So she's like, this is weekend, Sarah. And I was like, well, this is weekend, Saturday, Ben. Sarah. You can tell because he's got a hat on. I always have a hat on. so He always has a hat on. But you can tell when I record during the week because I'm wearing a dress shirt. Because uh, yeah. I come in from work. 
Uh, so you can find us on the Facebook, on the Instagram, on the Tickety Talk, the Tickety Talk, the, the YouTube. Tickety-talk. If you're on YouTube, like obviously you know that uh, you can listen on Apple, Spotify, Amazon, not Google, not Google, not Google, and many other platforms. Oh, we'd love to hear from you. Also, we have a and a coming up after Deuteronomy. So if you have those questions mm-hmm. where you're like, hey, you guys said something about this, and I'm really curious about what that was, send us those at loveincontext at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Thanks. That's a wrap for today's episode. We want to extend a heartfelt thank you for tuning in and spending your valuable time with us. We hope that you found today's conversation insightful and that you take something meaningful from it. If you have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at loveandcontext at gmail.com and we will be sure to get back to you. Remember, you can always engage with our content on all your favorite listening platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, and more. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Love and Context on Instagram and Facebook for updates. You're putting your hand, getting getting actually involved. Sorry, I don't know why I said putting your hand. I put put your hand in here on my notes, and I don't know why I did that. Hold on a second. I, apparently, I have my my voice text on here, and it's just it's just it's just going away typing. I can taste and see the crumble cookie is good. <laughs> so that's probably sacrilegious. I'll take that off. Sorry, Ben. No, I no, know no. so many things are firing off in your brain right now. I'm so sorry. many. And I'm, I'm, looking at the, I'm looking at the I time know. and thinking about I what know. I want to edit out because we still have another episode.